Welcome to Episode 1, Season 1 of the Everyday Crazy Podcast. I'm your host, L.P. Faust, cultural attaché to the stars and ringmaster of the shit show. On the first podcast of the first season, every good superhero story starts with an origin story. While mine may neither have the production budget of a Marvel Cinematic Universe superhero, nor a guest appearance by Stanley himself, I promise the LP origin story is worthy of a good tell. Well, at least the Cliff's Notes version of it. Also, how Lewis Thoreau's weird weekend documentary on BBC led to participating in paranormal investigations, sensory deprivation tank floats, and getting up close and personal with alien artifacts from Area 51. Everyday Crazy is a weekly podcast with new content every Wednesday focused on satire, comedy, tilted worldview, personal experience, and stream of consciousness with your host, L.P. Faust. Welcome to the Everyday Crazy Podcast. I'm your host, L.P. Faust. Hey, what better time to start a new podcast and a new series, and all of that, than a few days after the potential pandemic outbreak in China of the novel coronavirus. <laughs> you know, what can what can be said other than um, nothing ventured, nothing gained? So we may be looking at an end-of-the-world podcast here. You know how it goes. Um, if, well, if it's the end-of-the-world podcast, not a problem, man. We'll just have to knock this one out of the park, and uh shouldn't be a problem. You know what I'm saying? It's just going to be like, wow. Wow. At any rate. So I decided to go ahead and make this podcast over here. Um, and the big question is, uh, hey, LP, what was the the deciding factor? What was the impetus to actually, like, do this sort of thing? Uh, you know, inquiring minds would like to know. I've been involved with this, with an interactive social broadcast on Discord for the past two years. Now, Discord, if you're unfamiliar with it, happens to be sort of like a chat application that started out sort of for the gamers and all of that sort of stuff, and then evolved on, and some of the blockchain projects decided to go ahead and hijack it a bit, and uh, eventually, MSP Ways found itself on there. But I suppose what wound up, what really started me down the road towards this podcast was delving into the world of subcultures through my blog on Steemit, and hosting regular interactive social broadcasting network show... Uh, on that particular platform, on Discord, that is. And, um, you know, the actual server on Discord is MSP Waves. Now, this all, uh, you know, I, I know you're asking yourself, you know, what the fuck is an interactive social broadcast network? Well, um, aside from it being bad branding, Ron, uh, <laughs> Ron would be the station manager, if you will, over in this particular pl uh, place. It's a terrible euphemism for radio, but not really like radio radio per se. So the way I equate it is, it's kind of like the way that my daughter tells me there's a nuanced difference between like and like-like as I understand it. But I digress. It all started after after I signed up for Steemit. I guess the next question would be, well, what 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 is Steemit? Well, Steemit's a social network which empowers the community to award content it finds valuable. So the awards are, are in the digital currency Steam that's uh, native to that blockchain, and it's proportionately allocated based upon weighted upvotes earned from the community. So if you were to contrast Steam against 
like traditional social media platforms, such as Facebook and Twitter, outstanding contract on content will attract likes, reposts, and attention on traditional social media platforms, but no monetary reward. However, on Steemit, every like in the form of an upvote is a vote to award some digital currency Steam to the content creator. More upvotes equals a greater allocation of Steam from the inflationary rewards pool. And of course, this Steam can translate into real dollars through exchanges and all of that sort of stuff. If you'd like to learn more about Steemit, the Steam blockchain, and the 160 or so dApps which have uh, been built on top of this blockchain, drop me a message on Anchor and I'll be happy to, to help you learn more. Moving on. I discovered Steam at about three years ago from a friend who was also involved in blockchain and cryptocurrencies and all of that sort of stuff. You know, I mean, hey. <laughs> and he was talking to me and he said, why don't you go ahead and begin to post some content on this, uh, earn a little bit of extra extra income and all that sort of stuff, and you can get it in the form of this cryptocurrency. My response to him initially was, uh, do I really feel like going ahead and dealing with yet an <laughs> Yeah, yet another, uh, you know, cryptocurrency, absolutely not. So uh, <laughs> after some back and forth and back and forth, he eventually convinced me. And um, I remember that, uh, that you know, the whole purpose behind this was I was going to do some content, maybe get some crypto, uh, you know, and, and, and sort of, I guess, convert it to Bitcoin or something else. And I even alluded to that very thing that, you know, I was very naked about the fact that it was really just about about that very simple fact. So uh, <laughs> there I was in my, uh, you know, ready to go, ready to go grab some some free cash. And all I could think about was the dilemma that I was facing, because I think to some degree, everybody at some point that becomes a creator gets that that concern. It's it's a couple of different things hit you. First, it's that creator's fear of rejection and being called out for sucking horribly, you know, in the comments below, where you get to acquire your own set of trolls that just follow you around from place to place and all of that stuff. It's almost like how comedians acquire that uh, jackass that goes from show to show and tries to heckle them in the contents, you know, or, or and during the show and uh, just trip them up. And it's all good and all of that sort of stuff. It's an unrealistic thing um, to think that, but... It's that concern. Then shortly after that, it's that whole concern about not really identifying as a, as a content creator. I am an accountant by trade. So as you can imagine, I don't live in the, uh, you know, right half of my brain very much and all of that sort of, uh, sort of stuff. I sit there and I think to myself as I'm taking a look, trying to figure out what am I going to go ahead and create? Try to bullshit last week. You know, and, and to, the, to a large degree, probably I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I get to go ahead and get my uh, my quota, if you will, of what is due to me. As I'm sitting there kind of going through all of this stuff, ironically, I came across this uh, really interesting NPR podcast called Life Kit. The episode I was listening to was Making Art is Good for Your Health and how the act of creating and developing, con you know, whatever it is that you're working on, whatever your art medium is. In this particular case, mine happens to be writing, broadcasting, and all of that. It actually does something for the mental health of an individual. Ironically, you know, clay art is the best of everything, but uh, do we do clay art over here? I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. you'd be lucky if you could get a bowl out of me, man. I'm just saying clay art is not my medium, right? <laughs> Now, does that mean that we are sitting here, you know, saying clay art sucks? I mean, you know, you. the answer to that would be no. It's just not my medium of <laughs> expression, if you will. 
the irony of the whole thing, too, is that I come across this really fantastic creator, uh, creator, listen to me, musician. His name is Jonathan Colton. He's got this fantastic song, Don't Feed the Trolls. And it sort of became my anthem and my inspiration as I was going through this whole process and starting to write and all of that stuff. Now, Jonathan Colton's song, Don't Feed the Trolls, will be song number two on today's or on this particular episode's companion playlist over on Spotify. So you can catch the uh, Spotify companion playlist over in the show notes uh, to the show. And there's approximately somewhere around, I believe it's around 12 or 13 songs, 35 minutes of listening time. But Jonathan Colton's Don't Feed the Trolls would happen to be song number two on that for reference. Once I went kind of reconciled all of that inside of my mind, next thing was I started fumbling around with different concepts. And I found some success with a series I developed called Subcultures and Social Trends. And I started to explore some of the emerging subcultures in society that were, are not really covered and uh, some of the, uh, the social trends that were occurring. Now, it wasn't like a hit job piece. It was uh, it was intended really to go ahead and sort of delve into and start digging around and kicking things around. Hit job pieces are way too easy. So, uh, you know, I chose not to go down that road. So I tried a, a different format, which we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. There's a second series that I started to develop, which was a satire series. And that eventually led to followers. And then from followers, I think I got up to like around 1,700 followers. Then I started to develop an accelerator specifically for Steemit. And with an accelerator came this concept of I'd like to go and bring some sort of community of flesh and blood into a place where it's all like, you know, digital nomads kind of hanging out and uh, (laughs) automating everything and not really interacting with one another. And from there, I ran into the uh, next two co-hosts that would actually wind up becoming the co-host of the show Voices from the Mountains, which is where where my first broadcast gig started from. Now, when I was initially brought into Voices from the Mountains, uh, or Voices from the Mountains broadcast, I was set to do a cryptocurrency tax section of the broadcast. Do we love talking about crypto tax? Mm, Do we love talking about accounting shit? I mean, do we really care about that stuff? Absolutely not. Does that mean that we don't like accountants and all that stuff? Hey, let me tell you something, man. I like money. And I'm a specialist in that sort of thing. The reality of the situation is I just didn't really feel like exploring that part of of me because I do that 24-7, seven days a week, you know, without end and all of that sort of stuff. And I kind of went back and forth with my my co-host and I said, all right, listen, I'll go ahead and I'll do this first segment, but... That being said, I'm not doing this for the regular, for my regular thing going forward. I advocated for something different for my segment. I delved into satire and steam it. I had some success. I wanted to translate it into like satirical parody, uh, satirical and parody commercials for products which never existed, uh, it, you know, during this broadcast. It was my uh, my move into humor, and it turned out to be a hit. Suddenly, I found myself generating a cult following. They wanted commercials, and of all things, merch. <laughs> so I was just kind of sitting there saying, yeah, all right, merch. Uh, did I ever get to the merch part of it yet? I uh, just, you know, yeah, not quite yet. So we'll get there eventually <laughs> at some point. Things are going great. Um, it was a, it was a chore to try and go ahead and make three people actually have adequate amount of time to go back and forth with each other and sort of be able to do their segment and flesh out all of their stuff. So six months later, Voices from the Mountain trio suddenly became a solo. I found myself <laughs> inheriting a show with, you know, a station manager that was kind of sitting there asking. Hey, what the fuck? And then <laughs> he didn't know what to do. He was kind of lost and uh, said, you know what? Uh, whatever, man, let's just go ahead and give it a shot. We'll see how everything settles and all of that sort of stuff. 
and I settled into a new format. Uh, next thing I knew, after fumbling around, <laughs> again, wandering through the dark, not knowing what to do, and uh, having a few shows out there, which Somewhere. were... Somewhat questionable, I <laughs> it came across a format, and the format itself was punk rock, humorous bits, tilted worldview, and originally produced satirical commercials. What I wound up doing was I wound up continuing, and I wound up building this library of satirical commercials and all that stuff, which started to build over on SoundCloud. Initially, I held on to all of them, and I uh, you know put them into the segments and all that stuff, and again, they became a hit. To this day now, what, two years later, Joculation is still my regular radio, but not really a radio show, kind of interactive social broadcasting over on MSP Waves, and it continues to deliver the goods every Friday night, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time. Now, what does that mean in the rest of the world? I'm sure you could do the math if you had to, two hours ahead of time over on the East Coast, one hour behind over on the West Coast. But then there's this, like, you know, the, the show itself has sort of an international audience. I was a little bit surprised sitting there looking at this stuff going i got a guy over in like the freaking czech republic that's sitting here look so it became a situation where we had to like use utc time which i had no idea what the hell that was i thought it was something made up right some crazy ass made up time turns out it's greenwich mean time because you know whatever man maybe i'm just a bit of a retard over here you know what i'm saying (laughs) but i was like lost and i said you know utc time is made up time in the fairy lands somewhere in the uh you know ethereal realm or whatever the case may be at any rate so we're in that family friendly time over in the greenwich mean time of saturdays utc 3 a.m to 5 a.m right so when you're sitting here trying to develop a pitch for it it's like let's take into account that first off it's friday night which is probably the most brutal time slot ever to be put into i mean hey carlos do we think that this is like a stellar slot or whatever (laughs) absolutely not but i built up my following and it's great and all of that sort of stuff so then we had to do some promos and my promo went something like this you know we're on that family friendly time of utc 3 a.m to 5 a.m saturday mornings so you know it's usually that time where you're looking at uh, Friday night fun. We're looking at Saturday morning regret. You're in that quixotic, paradoxical moment in between everything, right? The uh, the realm where all the bad stuff happens. As a result, uh, you could probably be out there maybe, you know, doing some hit and runs as an Uber driver. Perhaps you're just uh, hiding a dead body that you may have acquired or perhaps created somewhere along the way. Perhaps you're sitting on the side of the road crying, in your, crying into your shirt sleeve or whatever um, that failed sobriety checkpoint and perhaps you're scared about and, and concerned about having your package unwrapped in prison in just a little while no problem we're there for you we're there to provide the laughs to provide the support that you need before you live that saturday morning regret so <laughs> as you can imagine that suddenly went ahead and picked up a hell of an audience it was an audience of just all the right people you know of my own little circle of intimacy So as the circle of intimacy has started to grow more and more, it's been a fun little uh, get-together. You know, all the inside jokes, everything that goes with it. And if you'd care to join the regular circle of intimacy on Friday night, just go to mspwaves.com in your browser, click on Chat with Hosts and Minnows, and join us in the MSP Waves server on Discord. When you do that, you're going to actually be part of it. You're going to be in it. You're going to be in it like Prego, if you will. (laughs) You can chat with me, the host, or you can deal with everybody that's over inside there, the audience and all of the the, uh, shenanigans that go on inside there. 
So um, we look forward to having you join us and all that stuff. It'll be great. So circling back to subcultures and social trends, which I spoke to earlier, right? What actually kind of brought me into this world of insanity and craziness, you know, it's just like every time I'd sit there and I'd die, it was actually like social, social trends and subcultures that went ahead and did it. For some reason or other, everybody wants to go ahead and know what the freak next star is doing. And, How dare you? You know, I was no exception to the rule. But uh, I started blogging over on Steemit, and it got me recognized. Ironically, however, what really got me started do- going down that road was catching Louis Throw in his BB series Louis Throw's Weird Weekends. And that sort of captivated me. I remember that first episode I watched. It was the wrestling episode. Louis Thoreau, let's just go and, and take a look here, step back for a moment. Louis Thoreau himself isn't exactly, shall we say, the most athletic individual in the world. <laughs> that would be overstating things quite a bit. He's beanpole thin. He's probably the least athletic dude. He is the most socially awkward man I've ever seen in my life. However, for some reason or other, he should be wearing a frock on his neck because people just want to spill their guts to him. They look at him as the person that is safe, cool, and all of that stuff. And I was totally captivated and inspired. He goes over to WCW Power Plant, which at that time, well, back up. He starts out by checking out the backyard wrestling circuit. He's going to places like people are, you know, equipping their barnyard in like freaking middle of nowhere, Iowa for the next for the for the hundred or so people that they're going to go ahead and have come in for this illegal wrestling match filled with thumbtacks that people get body slammed on tables. They go through, you know, barbed wire that cuts their faces open, all kinds of shit like this. You know, the kind of things that you'd sit there and ask yourself. And so it was very cool to see how he managed to build up this rapport with them. He's going back and forth and somebody says, you know, what you really ought to do is see about going over to WCW Power Plant. It's the place. It's the shit. If you're looking to be a pro wrestler, that's where you need to go. So with like, you know, 300 bucks in a dream to go and uh, explore this crazy ass world, he jumps on a plane and goes to, I believe it was Atlanta at the time, where WCW Power Plant was. Now, when you go inside this place and throws in there, it's like these brutal freaking workouts of dudes who've like, you know, they've got stripes shaving their head for every cycle of roids they've taken so that they can remember what stage they're on, you know, and they're probably beef roided up like freaking Barry Bonds times 10 uh, to go, you know, juiced to the gills. And uh, it's just an absolute freak show. You know what I mean? It's just you're sitting. How dare you? I know we're getting insensitive here. Okay, let's back up. We've got <laughs> we've got Beanpole Man over here, and they don't respect him. So they're putting him through brutal workout circuits. And then you got to run over and work on your mic skills. And Pez Watley is there. Saturday night, you got to go. you got to get all these things in in 30 seconds. And it's really cool to see the techniques that they're working along the way. He goes through that, then he does more brutal workouts, and eventually the group starts to kind of open up to him and accept him in that Lewis Throw sort of way. When you look at all the extreme insanity that was going on in there and just the the way that he managed to put the whole thing together, it got me captivated. And I was like, how does he even do this? And so I binge-watched the uh, very first the first season of Louis Thoreau's Weird Weekends. It was infomercials, swingers, black nationalism, demolition derbies, which, by the way, of the first season, that, friends, is the absolute number one best... 
<laughs> Best thing ever. $500 is all you need to get into the Demolition Derby. And the horror he experiences when he goes into the qualifier round, wants to be done with the Demolition Derby, and qualifies for the final round. <laughs> it is priceless. And then there's off-Broadway that he does, and of course the wrestling. There's another one that's pretty cool too, where he basically goes into Porn Valley and looks at porn, but through the lens of the male actors. I had never learned so much in my life about an industry I couldn't care less about. (laughs) And I was inspired. It was horrifically awesome. I was totally inspired. I'm like, man, I've got to figure out a way where I can do something like this, but with my own sort of twist and my own angle and my own story. Because... Many people can approach a topic, a similar topic, but each person has their own way about going about doing it. You know what I mean? And I was sitting there thinking to myself, this would be cool. Maybe I'll do it some point in my life. Well, shortly after that, I wind up going on a trip to Orlando, Florida, catch up with family and friends and everything. I'm over at a bar called Gods and Myths. Really cool bar. If you ever get a chance, go check it out fantastic they've got drinks they've got games they've got all kinds of really cool shit there and it's in the most oddest of places in some mall somewhere i think it's the atrium mall or something as i'm walking out of this place there i am me and my wife where we're, we finally got a little bit of respite from the kid people are taking care of her we're going over to uh the gods and myths bar we're on our way out we run into a couple i don't know how it all started but there's this conversation that's going back and forth between us over in the corner, the, the dude is looking like he's about to burst, like he's got something really important or something, you know, profound to share with uh, with the studio audience, if you will. And I'm kind of wondering to myself, hmm, I wonder what this could potentially be, because when somebody's ready to burst like that, is it usually about you something good? Absolutely not. It's usually a shit show in hiding. And um, I was kind of curious about it. Well, somehow we ventured around to it and the subject came to wrestling. yes ladies and gents wrestling next thing i know he's bursting at the seams about i'm gonna be a professional wrestler and you can just take a look at the crestfallen face of his wife like oh shit you're not supposed to tell them that (laughs) well he didn't keep it to himself he shared it with us the look of the car crash like oh shit on his wife's face was awesome and then i was like You know something? I actually saw a documentary just recently on the BBC. He just lit up like a freaking light bulb and neon tubes over in Vegas. You know what I'm saying? His wife jumps up and and she just sort of lights up, right? Really happy that, cool, they're not going to look at him like a freak because, oh, how could you sit there and think? (laughs) I know, insensitive, you bastard. At any rate. He starts to tell us that there's a new training facility over in Tampa. He's going to go there. You know, Jeff Hardy, I know him and, and Matt Hardy and blah, 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 and on and on and on. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this might be a great opportunity to suddenly delve into this strange, weird world of insanity, right? What could possibly be better than that? But I didn't think the timing was right. Plus, I was on vacation and I was just kind of like, eh, threw it in my back pocket. And I found myself really inspired to look into subcultures and explore in my own way, with my own voice and my own point of view. I thought about it for a bit, sort of was trying to flesh out how would I do it. You know, it was that whole creative paradox that I was talking about earlier. I come across a Wired Magazine article, and the article is all about this crazy-ass subculture of microdosing. 
Now, if you're unfamiliar with micro with what microdosing is, it's people taking psychedelics, but at a dosage below three grams. Now, if you go three grams or above, you're tripping balls. If you actually go to like 0.8 of a gram to a gram of the actual psychedelic component, you get sort of this swirly, happy, empathetic kind of a vibe without tripping balls. Now, the whole reason why this subculture came about had everything to do with the movie Limitless with Bradley Cooper. These people are chasing the whole having that experience that Bradley Cooper did, where his mind was opened up to being able to integrate very complex ideas in a way that he was unable to when he wasn't on the drug. He was also more empathetic. And people that generally are on microdoses report the same experiences. Well, I go and write this article about microdosing, and, and this is really where the subcultures first started. And it posted it up over on Steam, and next thing I knew, boom, I had a flock of people that were interested wondering when the next article was going to come in. And I got paid pretty good on that. So I was like, well, shit. I got to come up with something. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kind of sitting there in the corner and I'm just like, you know, <laughs> I guess I did. So now I put myself into the hot seat. Next thing I knew, I've got, uh, I've, I come across this subculture called Otherkin. Now, Otherkin are people who identify as partially or entirely human. They identify as fairies, elves, dragons, fictives, or other mythical beings. Now, fictives, the interesting part about them, it's kind of like a subculture in a subculture, is when you look at fictives, they specifically identify with having the soul of a video game character. So, for instance, if they're playing Mario Brothers, they feel that they are, in fact, Mario from Mario Brothers, in a sense. That's what their soul is, housed inside of this corporal form or whatever the case may be. Now, this is where we get into the joy and wonder of experiencing our first... Our first trolls. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, uh, okay, I'm on a platform. There's maybe 100,000 people of which 10,000 are active. How many people are actually really going to be a part of any of these subcultures that I'm going to go ahead and cover in here? Well, <laughs> well. Anybody having fun around here? Anybody think that this is popcorn time? Turns out that every time I was putting a subculture up from this point forward, I wound up getting feedback from somebody who is actually part of that subculture. And I'm just asking myself, I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> what are the chances? What are the chances? Turns out I should go to Vegas more frequently. I post this up. <laughs> this article up and i get this feedback in the comments section and it turns out that it's somebody who identifies as otherkin and the comment goes something like this you know i've read a bunch of shitty articles about otherkin nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about now your article's not quite as shitty as these other shitty articles but clearly you don't know what the fuck you're talking about so let me go ahead and help you and draw you a picture <laughs> And I just was kind of like, I mean, seriously? <laughs> and so that's when Jonathan Colton came to life. And that's when I just kind of embraced that, uh, you know, I don't read the comments, man. I don't feed the trolls. So shortly after that, I got into some health goths. And then I went into breatharians and sun gazers. And we came to a point where I started to come across some of the more darker subcultures. It started to go down that dark path. I sort of was having some second thoughts about even continuing much less trying to put together some sort of some sort of a documentary series if you will about my experiences and actually going out and engaging with those subcultures and then somewhere along the way 
I really got captivated with the whole idea of hoboism in America. And it just sort of like really – there's something about it. There's a romanticism you know, that's equated with hoboism and vagabonds. As I was reading through the history of it and starting to develop the piece a bit, you know, Norman Rockwell was very famous for his American uh, hobo pieces and art. I started to really get interested in checking this out, primarily because there's been a change, a sort of like revision of what the hobo is and a revitalization. And there's actually a hobo version 2.0 that's come out. In fact, part of what is fascinating about this crazy subculture is the fact that kids in college are actually engaging in hoboism as the alternative to the summer break. And it's kind of interesting because within the hobo subculture, you've got other subcultures such as rubber tramps and crust punks and all sorts of subcultures like that. And it got very complex, but it was so absolutely cool. And it really – I wound up engaging with somebody on Steemit who was a hobo. Actually, I think about three of them, three different ones that I had spoken to. But one in particular got me because he was living over, I think it was in Holland on the, uh, you know, on, on a riverbank or whatever within the city itself, grabbing some Wi-Fi. And he was coding a, an entire application on his phone because his, <laughs> because his laptop was busted. But I digress. It got me involved in that. And that's what really pushed me forward getting into subcultures and starting to partake in some of the communities. I did a piece on transhumanism, started to talk to a couple of transhumanists, did a couple of articles, and transhumanists are people that are trying to create a true cybernetic synergy between humans and technology, but in weird ways. Like, for instance, they'll actually embed a wire in their finger, a copper wire, so they can go inside of rooms and sense electromagnetic fields through their fingertips. Or in the case of an article that I had started with, a person wanted to backlight the tattoo on their arm, so they wound up taking a uh, carrot peeler and using the blade to, to cut underneath the skin to slide a backlight in underneath their tattoo, and then sew it all up and of course they used ice because you have to have like medical licenses and things like that in order to anesthetize or use any of those drugs as a method to get around that they wound up you know numbing the area with uh, just a shit ton of ice from there i went into paranormal investigations and that's where i took my step into actually living those subcultures shortly after i did the paranormal investigation my wife comes to me and she's like you know i wound up getting something for you I bought you some tickets to a paranormal party over at Highlands Ranch Mansion, and it's going to be happening close to Halloween. And I was thinking to myself, dude, this is a cool score, but what is a paranormal party? <laughs> well, friends, let me tell you what a paranormal party is. Imagine that you've decided that you've discovered a haunted mansion of some kind, right? Like something out of like Mario Brothers or whatever, ghosts on every corner. And you want to go ahead and bring in a carnival-like atmosphere. That would be what a paranormal party is. I found it amusing that they required everybody to be like, you know, 21 or older, cash bar and all that stuff. So when I walked into this place, I had really high expectations. We'll have some gadgets and stuff, you know, uh, start digging around and maybe we'll, we'll actually capture something. Let's do a little backstory here. Piece number one. LP is probably the largest skeptic about of the spiritual realm that there is out there. I know, I know. All of a sudden, everybody's going to be How like, you? don't you have, like, you know, this belief that there's something greater? I mean, you know, you? don't you believe that perhaps maybe there could be on and on and on and on? Hey, Carlos, do we have any of those thoughts? I'm just, you know. 
Just trying to help the audience out here. No, I am an empiricist. So for me, what winds up happening is I don't necessarily view that empirical evidence exists to prove to me definitively spirits do in fact exist. Now, that being said, <laughs> my guilty pleasure in life, my guilty pleasure, thank you, Travel Channel, is Zach Bagan's Ghost Adventures. There is something dark and twisted inside of me that enjoys watching these guys run around playing touch butt in the dark, pretending like they're listening to ghosts and all of that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? How dare you? I know if some point in the future, Zach Bagan's actually listens to this, it's going to be like, uh, can I have you come over to my museum over in Las Vegas and we'll have you hang out for a spirit thing? I'll be like, dude, brother. <laughs> Hook a man up. Absolutely, I'd love to go over and see your creepy-ass freaking dolls inside your museum. I don't know what it is, man. There is something that is very entertaining about that. I think it's maybe the history side of everything. I have no idea. That being said, hey, Zach Bagans, hook a brother up. I'll go check out your freak show over there. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How dare you? That was a little insensitive of me. I'll check out your historic museum over there. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Oh, your collection of, of curated artifacts that have a dark and sinister history. Now, I will say what's pretty fucked up is he's got Dr. Kevorkian's van in there where he did like a bunch of assisted suicides and stuff. Hey, Zach, I think you're taking it just a little too far for ratings. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at that. I'm thinking to myself, but whatever, man. <laughs> Whatever. That being said, so I go over to this um this paranormal party, and as I'm walking in, it's like lights and everybody's dancing and all this stuff, and they've got placards on every place. Hey, there's a ghost over here that w bends the wall. Did the wall ever bend for LP when he was over there? I mean... No, I'm sure after a few drinks, though, the wall will bend. You know what I'm saying? That being said, I go over into the uh, into the room, and they've got a whole slideshow presentation set up. And there's a woman that's over in the corner. She's a psychic medium. And so I wander over, and uh, I'm, like, uh, looking at uh, everything over there. She's doing readings for, like, I don't know, 10 bucks or whatever. Let me grab the palm of your hand, tell you how you're going to die. Tell, let me go ahead and give you some vague terms and some vague shit that I uh, got. Let me go ahead and just babble a Babble a few things out. I cannot understand a single word you're saying. And, uh, you know, there you go. But the thing that got me was the book that she was peddling. It was like the Four Dummies book of how to protect yourself from psychic vampires and spiritual attacks and stuff. And, uh, you know, I was having a little bit of trouble sort of getting into the whole thing. Slideshow starts. I'm looking at a whole bunch of pictures which could be attributed to bad exposures. Uh, you know, there's a blob here and a blob there. Again, nothing definitive. And then... We get to the moment. Dun, dun. All right. We're going to go through the mansion, and we're going to go ahead and look for spirits, okay? And I kind of feel like, you know, Elmer Fudd looking for, uh, for you know, Bugs Bunny. Where's that wasquee wabbit? You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. I'm going to regret this, right? We're in a mansion, and, of course, they're like, okay, once you step out of this room after you've had, like, six drinks over at the cash bar, we're going to have all the lights off in the house. Couple points to this. Number one. You have a bunch of irresponsible adults that are going to be wandering around a mansion filled with breakable objects and artifacts and all kinds of shit that clearly says do not touch with a rope in front of it in the fucking dark. What could possibly go wrong? Point two. I never understood why it is that you absolutely have to have the lights off for the spirits like they're shy or something nobody could answer that question as far as why it was that uh, the lights had to be off 
But here's the kicker. They looked at us and said, be sure to get out your cell phones because you want to take lots of pictures. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is going to be a long night. We go upstairs. Now, in the upstairs area, it's this long stretch of hallway with lots of rooms, bathrooms, bedrooms, all kinds of stuff. And, of course, they're encouraging us to go up there. It almost feels like... (laughs) same kind of experience that you know parents that are fed up with their kids okay i've had enough of your shit go upstairs to your room right it felt like that but being duped into believing that in fact all the spirits hide up there so i want you to picture this we've all gotten a few drinks over at the cash bar we've managed to crawl up the stairs we're wandering aimlessly through a pitch dark hallway and some dick shouts out oh i think i saw an anomaly And it's like the fucking paparazzi, man. Flashbulbs everywhere. So you're going from pitch dark to paparazzi flashbulbs. You can't see shit. You're crashing into everything. You're trying to get out. Somebody then starts playing touch button in the dark, finds another spirit. Everybody paparazzi's the place. This is what the experience was like. Was I convinced that there was paranormal activity over there? (laughs) Not a freaking chance. So I was like, that was kind of a bad experience, and I'll have to go ahead and try something else. I can't just end it there, because it's not like giving it a fair shot for real, right? Well, the next experience, I'm like, I need to get something a little edgier, something a little more out there. What better place to go to? No, not Craigslist. I know I know that's what everybody's thinking out there. Hey, Carlos, did we go to Craigslist for... Hell no, man. You get murdered going over on Craigslist. I went to meetup.org because why? It seems like it's legit. <laughs> I come across Colorado MUFON. Now, if you don't know what MUFON, Colorado MUFON is, it's the Mutual UFO Network Group. Now, this is a more reputable organization. They try to be empirical about their data. And uh, for $65, you can become a certified UFO investigator. You know what I'm saying? I just like, let me get out my checkbook. No, I didn't do that. (laughs) It's like buying merit badges over in like freaking Boy Scouts. You can't do that. You actually got to like earn them. And I felt like it was too legitimate. Does that make sense? Probably not. Does that sound like I'm being really judgy judgy? Finger wagging? How dare you? I know, right? It's like I'm sitting there. I'm sitting being so critical. Shame. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Shame. 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 So let's go with that feeling. And what I wound up doing was I found the Colorado UFO Connections Group. I said, well, this has got some possibilities. And then I realized I struck gold. They had the next meetup was what is really happening in the Arctic after the Nazis left and all of that sort of stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, where do I sign up, man? So I signed up and I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, maybe they'll have a book signing or some kind of crazy shit. And I can go ahead and and, and, and grab like some free swag and, you know, become part of that. As I understand it, it's a bunch of people that have all been abductees and been rectally probed by the aliens. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's what I got out of it. And I go to this meeting, which is going to be at a place, a bookstore. It's a couple miles away. Why not? Let's just hop in the car and go for it. I couldn't find this place for the fucking life of me. I don't know where it was. And then suddenly it just materialized, right? Like a UFO or some shit over on the side of the road. And I was like, I got to go there. I I, I start to uh, pull up and I get to the parking lot and immediately my spider sense is going off. Just like looking at this place and I'm just... What the fuck happened to this world? And I'm looking and it looks kind of like a bookstore. Kinda. Only it's like covered in these green curtains, like polyester curtains, right? 
And the polyester curtains look like they came from the 70s. And they probably haven't been dusted since the 70s because I'm sure the dust that was on there was from the 70s too. And the front of the stuff of this place itself kind of looks sort of like, I don't know, like a pet shop or an aquarium or something. But the definitive piece that really made me say no fucking way was the flickering light bulb on the front, which gave it that feeling of like I was going onto the set of the movie Hostel. So I was either going to have my kidneys removed and sold on the black market, or I was going to be abducted so aliens could do butt stuff with me. Did we, uh, did we feel comfortable either way? <laughs> so I felt that it was probably wise for me to back away from this experience and not do that. So what happened with LP? Did he chicken shit out? Absolutely he did. did we did not do that one. Instead, we pressed on. We had to find something. Highlands Ranch Historical Society meetup suddenly pops up. There's an Area 51 crash site artifact with a dude with a full book report on it. Getting ready to do his presentation. I own a piece of land over here. I've got some crazy alien artifact shit, and you can go ahead and take a look at them, take photos, interact with them, whatever. Come on over! I was like, brother, I am so there. I go over to this place, and the dude is very excited to share his stuff, and he had some really cool things, don't get me wrong. There were some artifacts that were there that had some very interesting mechanical properties, you know, would have suggested that they would have been otherworldly. There were some real cool um, girders that were elastic, and it was just really cool fucked up things, and I'm like, hey... This is going to be a truly killer thing. This guy's going to talk about his experiences. He's going to talk about what happened. Let's go check this out. Let me tell you something. Always read the fine print because I'll tell you what, this dude certainly did. When I'm telling you it was a book report, I am not joking, man. 60 some odd pages. I was there an hour and a half. He only got through 30. He was reading it verbatim. We basically understood his theory about how they went and uh, potentially used high-energy weapons, the U.S., that is, with their radar towers to shoot down this craft, and it happened in a flash. That was his, like, statement. The actual thing itself was pretty disappointing, but the artifacts were cool, so I felt like I was getting a step in the right direction. Now, did LP go ahead and actually write a piece about this? No, it's like still sitting, the unfinished manuscript, if you will. <laughs> Did you say manuscript? No, man, it's an article. It's a blog article. It's still sitting on my hard drive somewhere. Around that time, I actually did hit some pay dirt. I found this group called Kindred Spirits of Colorado. Now, what's cool about them is they are a paranormal investigation crew that actually uses legit science. We're talking laser grids to track movement, laser beams that actually detect sound at, you know, minuscule levels and lo really low decibel ranges. They actually do the history of the particular place that we're going to go to and everything. I met this woman. We She actually screened me when we were talking on the phone to make sure I wasn't going to be one of those freaks that wanted to go out and actually write hit pieces on people like this. You know what I'm saying? It's Shame. just like a lot of finger wagging. Shame. 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 So I approached this thing with an open mind and I said, you know, I'd really like to go ahead and check. And I warned her ahead of time. Look, I'm a skeptic. All that did was just have her open the door wider. Why don't you come in and have your own experience? I will say this, I was thoroughly impressed. We went to the uh, old firehouse in downtown Denver that uh, has existed since, I believe it's like the mid-1800s. It had the original alarm circuit grids for the city, the original artifacts and things of that nature. And I was pumped. I thought it was really cool. 
The group had already done their homework. They did the history on the building, came up with a name of a boy that had appeared there. And they were able to link that boy to some of the historical records that were there. There was an air of legitimacy that started right from the get. It was impressive. I wound up staying there overnight. And what was really wild about the whole thing is the areas of the museum itself that are normally closed off and you're not able to pass through, such as the fire chief's bedroom and personal effects and notes, all that stuff. They opened up that room. We got to go through all of his personal effects, his clothing, his trunk, check the bed, all of it. It was probably one of the coolest. If you're a student of history and you just absolutely love history the way that I do, that was one of the most incredible experiences that I had. From the standpoint of going in and and doing the whole paranormal thing, the investigation thing, I would say that it didn't really change my viewpoints all that much. At one point, I recall thinking to myself, where is the one place in this entire facility that'd be the most likely candidate for a person to be sort of like wandering around? And my thought process was, it's probably in a place like the bathroom. And when you go into the bathroom, they had not refurbished or destroyed the bathroom. They actually kind of kept it intact. So they had the original wooden stalls and they had these mirrors that lined both sides of the walls the back wall and the one to the right with a single shelf. So everybody would be sitting there brushing their teeth, shaving their face, looking in that mirror. And I'm like, if there's any place I'm going to see a face or a person or an anomaly, it's going to be here in that fucking mirror. So I go over and I check out the mirror. Do I see a face? No face looking back at me. Did I see any anomalies? Nothing like that. But the experience was absolutely fantastic. I was invited to go to some other investigations. There was a bed and breakfast and a few other things. I just couldn't make it. At some point, I think what I'll do is get back in touch with Kindred Spirits of Colorado. Very cool group. If you ever have the opportunity to come out to Colorado and you want to engage in something like that, I believe they have uh, regular get-togethers every month. And my advice to you would be go with an open mind. Those are people that actually have some very cool stories. They're very methodical. They're very scientific about what they're doing. And there's a very deep passion that I clearly didn't get from Spirit PI and company over at the uh, paranormal party. (laughs) Once I went through that, what's the next thing? Do I try to get somebody in the roller derby circuit or whatever? And at that point in time, cryptocurrency started to explode. It started to become very big. It was, uh, you know, the bubble was inflating. And I took it upon myself to attempt to try and live unbanked. I came across a book that was very uh, interesting about the unbanked in America and what they go through. So I decided maybe what I could do is actually live live unbanked for a two-week period to kind of see whether or not cryptocurrencies could be an alternative. And it led me on the craziest adventure you could possibly imagine. The funniest part is it all started with me trying to take my cash and turn it into Bitcoin. And I had to go to like an ATM in order to do this. And there are Bitcoin ATMs all over. But here in Colorado, all the Bitcoin ATMs were inside of the marijuana shops. I really didn't feel like going to any of those. So I found one that wasn't in a marijuana shop. It was in a really convenient and awesome location, a place I'd go to every week. It was a hydroponics shop, right? I mean, I'm <laughs> looking at this thinking to myself, you know. I jump in the car and I go over to this place it's called the Big Tomato. And the first thing that kind of gets me is I go into this and somewhere betwixt all this fertilizer stench and the manure stench and all the grow lights and all that shit, there's a dude there. And I'm like, hey, 
do you guys have a Bitcoin ATM over here? And he's kind of like looking at me like I'm, like I'm fucking nuts. And he's like, oh yeah, over in the corner. So jammed between like the plant food and the window and some other stuff is this Bitcoin ATM looking stellar, clean, beautiful, perfect. I do my transaction. I get my Bitcoin. And as I'm walking out, I have this strange feeling I got ripped off. And I look over right across the street. Right across the fucking parking lot is a plasma donation center. You know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking to myself, you guys absolutely know your demos so well. Look at that. Plasma donation center. Come over here, get some Bitcoin. <laughs> at any rate, I um I take a look and I find out that I, in fact, did get hosed. Um, at that time, it was like a 15% conversion rate. And I'm just, I'm living in the parking lot, you know. <laughs> Seems like I keep hitting that button. But I wound up going through the world and actually um, trying a bunch of different things. One of them was writing on Steam, and I managed to get some crypto that way. From there, went to um, getting a cloud mining rig, mining some Dash. Dash then jumped by tenfold during that period of time. It was a very fascinating article, and it really led me to the place where it seemed like it might be viable. And then, of course, the Great Correction came through. So that really uh, <laughs> that really wiped out all the fun. And you just kind of like look at this and shake your head a bit and kind of wonder <laughs> what the F happened. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of like, hey, man, listen. I like money. So I just want to go ahead and actually make this thing work. And as I was sitting in the corner, I'm just like, you're a little Fuck you fucking fuckers! You know. <laughs> At any rate... My last experience, <laughs> my last experience, I grabbed the family and I'm thinking to myself, you know, when I was a kid, my dad had this thing where he would take us on trips and we would go to the worst freaking places you could imagine. All the tourist traps. I think I saw every Ripley's Museum in the state of Florida that you could possibly see. And surprisingly, there's like four of them there. And I thought for myself, you know, I got into this whole once I got into the UFOs thing, of course, Bigfoot comes shortly thereafter. Come to find out that Colorado has one of the biggest, like, Bigfoot museum societies, whatever the hell you want to call it, in North America. And I'm thinking to myself, what a fantastic opportunity. Let me go check this thing out. But it was, like, on my radar for something to do in the future. Fast forward a few years, probably about a year, planning a spring trip with my, with my family. We go up to Glenwood. We come back around. I'm like, why don't we take a little road trip? And why don't we stop over in Bailey, Colorado? Well, what the hell's in Bailey, Colorado, LP? Well, the Sasquatch Outpost is over in Bailey, Colorado. You know? Yeah! you know, it's a tourist destination. We should go check it out. What do you think? Do you think that would be a great idea, hon? Just ask. Mm -mm, no, no, no. Okay, but we'll go ahead and do it anyway. I went over to the Sasquatch Outpost and gasoline station over in Bailey, Colorado. It was seriously like that. Imagine if you went to, like, the Quick Stop from Clerks. Imagine that half of it was a Bigfoot exhibit. That's exactly the way it was we go inside this particular place and there's like two saloon doors sitting there with a slide lock you know can't go in here don't go near but it says sasquatch outpost and you could get a fill up you know or potentially get like a blueberry squishy or whatever you want to get on your way out i go grab my poker chips that they give me for me and my family to go in and when we go in i gotta say the exhibit was absolutely stellar it was incredibly good that being said I'm sitting there reading the placard, and apparently Teddy Roosevelt was a Bigfoot believer. And allegedly, that's the reason why he created the National Park Service, at least according to the doctored history that's there. And as I'm sharing this with my wife and we're kind of looking, I sense this tremor in the force. Like there's somebody that's got a serious closeness problem and doesn't understand personal bubble space. You know what I'm saying? Was I right? I, I, 
I like look over my left shoulder and I'm like, oh, Jesus, who the hell are you? And it turns out it's the guy that sold me the poker chips to get into this thing. He's like standing next to me like Zach Bagans trying to play touch butt with me in the dark. Only it's in the light in the Bigfoot exhibit. And he's like, so you like the exhibit? And I'm like, yeah, I like it more when I'm actually like left alone to check it out. So he looks at me and he says, you know, I had a Bigfoot experience. Want to hear about it? No, that's okay. I'm just going to wander through the museum a little bit here. <laughs> and we wind up walking away. We're trying to. And like a fucking shadow, he's following us. Just like following us. Like, like you know, that, that creepy person that won't go away. Like the stench that follows you from the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? And I'm wandering around and there's some weird turns and shit. He begins to go and, uh, and interact and be like, hey, check out this Bigfoot plaster mold over here of the, of the footprint. Are you guys interested in checking this out? Do you want to hear the story about it? No, no, no. As we go through through the, the, the stuff, you get to stand next to a Bigfoot. And I got a picture of, uh, of myself standing next to the mock Bigfoot. And I got to say, like I said, it was a beautiful, incredible exhibit. Well, at the end, there are these three boxes here. And there's a sign right above them. It says, given all the stuff, all the evidence that's been presented in here, are you a believer now? And you have your three boxes, the yes, the maybe, and the no box. And you're supposed to put your poker chip in one of those boxes. Are we left alone in that room to do that? The mm-hmm. answer? Not a chance. Our good friend, the specter, is sitting right next to me, right? And I get where this is going. He won't leave me the fuck alone until I say yes. He's probably going to try and climb in the car and tell me everything on the way home. And I'm just kind of like, uh, he says to me, do you believe in Bigfoot now? I'm like, absolutely. It was a compelling thing. The missus picks up on it right away. She's like, you know what? I, I, I'm a true believer now. Like something out of the X-Files, right? And then from the mouth of babes, hey, honey, you know, looking at my daughter. Do you think that, uh, do you think Bigfoot's real? No. And he just gets all foghorn leghorn. Well, I never, I never, you know, one of those. And I was just like, wait a minute. Hold on. Given that we, that you believe in fairies and unicorns and all that, could you maybe believe in Bigfoot? I don't know. It seems kind of bogus to me. Yeah, I know. But so, but you believe in fairies and unicorns and can we just get out of here and maybe you could just put it in the maybe box? All right, fine. So. She throws her chip in the maybe box. He's still trying to calm down, and we just bolt out of there. <laughs> However, that being said, would I absolutely endorse this as a tourist destination? You better believe it, man. The uh, the freak component of that whole thing is just absolutely... How dare you? Absolutely awesome. <laughs> absolutely awesome. At any rate, folks, so uh, that's all we got for this episode. There ain't no more. <laughs> Tell you what. Do you have a Cliff's Notes version of your own origin story you'd like to share? Maybe you have some thoughts on creator anxiety or participate in one or more of the subcultures featured on the podcast or actually have something to share? Why not hit me up on Anchor and leave me a message? You can download the Anchor app, find the Everyday Crazy Show, tap on the message button. You might even wind up on a future podcast. You never know. I'm LP Faust. This is Everyday Crazy. Take care. Everyday Crazy is a weekly podcast released every Wednesday here on Anchor. The podcast is distributed and will appear across Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Don't forget to check out the companion playlist on Spotify created for each episode of Everyday Crazy. On Spotify, you can find playlists from Everyday Crazy, my Not a Radio Show Radio Show Joculation, and Voices from the Mountains. 
It's the mix of punk rock, satire, and comedy just the way nature intended. Just click on the Spotify link in the show notes to access all this content and LP's liked songs so you can listen, mix, match, and build your own playlists. You can also check out the Everyday Crazy podcast on SoundCloud, along with additional original content such as original parody and satirical commercials created by LB. Just click the link in the show notes to access all this content and check back for periodic updates. You can stay up to date with all things LB Faust by following on Twitter at FaustLP or Facebook at RealLBFaust. If the written word is more your thing, check out my blog on Steemit. Just go check out steemit.com and type in at LP Faust in the search bar. Or better yet, just leave me a message on Anchor. You can download the Anchor app, find the Everyday Crazy Show, and tap on the message button. Your message might even wind up on a future podcast. William Shakespeare once said, all the world's a stage. As we strut and fret on the stage of life, always be sure to ask yourself, why watch the show when you can be the show? 